Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo! If you want to smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself. Make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself. Go board yourself. Go board yourself. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode six of Grow Bud Yourself. Mike, how you doing? Well, hanging in there. How you doing? I'm good. You know, I mean, dealing with uh, the situation uh, in these troubling and trying times, but, uh, you know, trying to keep my head up, trying to uh, stay high, stay informed and uh, stay safe. So, yeah, um, for this episode, we have something interesting for you guys. We wanted to shine a light on a panel that I moderated uh, just a few months ago, actually, it, it feels like it could have been a couple of years ago, but this was done in Hawaii at the Hawaii Cannabis Expo uh, in February of this year, just uh, like I said, four month, about four months ago. Uh, and it was a panel with a, an amazing uh, cultivation you know, crew, uh, starting with Ed Rosenthal, the grow guru, who uh, you know everybody knows and has been on the show a few times in the past. Um, Ed, you know, is a legend and there's not much more I can say about that except, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, a cultivation hero and, uh, you know, really just, an, you know, everybody knows Ed Rosenthal. So it was an honor to have him on the panel. Uh, also on the panel was Professor P uh, from Dynasty Genetics uh, and Relic Seeds, uh, an amazing, amazing cannabis breeder with a lot of great information. Uh, also a member of uh, the High Times Seed Bank Hall of Fame. Uh, we also have the award-winning uh, Joey Green, uh, Hawaii grower, um, affiliated with Grayskull Seeds there. And, uh, you know, just an amazing grower with uh, incredible insight on Hawaii's uh, unique characteristics as far as climate and soil and all of that. So really great to have Joey Green. Uh, we also on the panel have Swerve from the Cali Connection, also a member of the C-Bank Hall of Fame, uh, and also been on the show a ton of times on panels uh, and all of that. Everybody knows Swerve. Uh, you know, he, he brought the, the cushy strains, you know, to the public and uh, has a lot of very interesting insights about breeding and cultivation. And last but not least, we are joined uh, partway through the panel uh, by Brian Malin, uh, from Vital Garden Supply, who um, really talks a lot about, you know, just, uh, you know, cultivation, the, the cultivation experience from, you know, the grower's perspective, the grower, uh, the grow store's perspective. So uh, definitely want to thank everybody that participated in this panel. And I want to thank the Hawaii Cannabis Expo uh, for having us, you know, because it's really one of the premier events uh, in cannabis and you get to go to paradise uh, and talk about cannabis in paradise. And so sounds pretty uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, again, we were in Hawaii with no idea of what was to come, but we, we were, you know, still thinking about cultivation, uh, you know, from the perspective of how do you create the finest, cleanest cannabis. And I think, you know, with this panel, you're going to learn something. Uh, it, it was really an honor to be there, an honor to be a part of it, to be asked to moderate is just, um, you know, one of the highlights of my, of my life is, is sitting down with people in front of a crowd and talking about cannabis with experts. And so 
I guess without further ado, um, we should get right into this panel. This is from February of 2020 in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii at the Hawaii Cannabis Expo. Here we go. Let's take us back four months and talk about cannabis in Hawaii. So welcome everybody uh, to the next panel. I'm Danny Jaco from High Times Magazine, uh, author of Cannabis, Beginner's Guide with Growing Marijuana, and uh, official High Times Marijuana uh, strain guide. And it's an honor and pleasure to be here for the fourth year of the Hawaii Cannabis Expo. I know it's the fifth year, but this is the first year. I'm never going to miss another year. It's, it's my favorite event of the year. So it's really a pleasure and an honor. And I know there's such a history here of cultivation and connoisseurship. Uh, you know, Hawaiian cannabis is synonymous with, you know, amazing sun-grown sativas and and a long, long history of growing. And uh, so my panel here, I want to introduce, uh, or I'll, you know what, I'll just let them introduce themselves, starting with Professor P from Dynasty Genetics. Uh, just introduce yourself and let people know uh, what it is that, you know, brought you to cannabis and, and what you do uh, as far as, you know, creating seeds and that sort of thing. Uh, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having us all. My name is Chris, I go by Professor P, been uh, working towards self-sufficiency since 96. Uh, I started growing seeds to make more seeds, um, and it's bloomed into what it is now. Um, really appreciate being on here with some of the veterans and gurus here. Um, Ed was a big influence to my starting. Um, it's been a pleasure working on him over the years with photo work for his books and and everything like that, but uh, I'm going to pass it on to Ed, though, at this point. Let me, let me just say as well that it's an honor and privilege for all of us. Uh, I don't think any one of us uh, can't credit Ed Rosenthal with getting us started in, in this. Uh, his books were seminal, <laughs> no pun intended, and uh, he's a legend, the grow guru, and I'll let him say his uh, piece as well, but uh, it's an honor and pleasure for me just to even be on the same Stages uh, well, it's really an honor to be here with uh, some of the uh, world's uh, best marijuana breeders. So, um, and uh, I'm, you know, uh, in order to teach, you have to learn. So I'm always try to be in a learning mode. Company. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure to 
we'll start with uh, Professor P. Uh, yeah, so recently I've switched out um, a lot of the lighting that I've been using um, just due to the availability of the uh, huge technology that we've had over the last years. Um, that, uh, recently I started using fluence lights and instead of raising or lowering them, I had to have them on a dimmer so you can kind of control the intensity as the plant grows. Um, that's been a huge game changer for myself and for a lot of people that I know deal with heat, electric issues. Um, you know, it's, it's very expensive growing doors over here, especially. Um, uh, that's one thing that I would recommend is kind of looking into some of the available uh, LED technology nowadays, especially for propagation. I don't really believe in vegetation. Straight into flowering. <laughs> so, after perhaps uh, three to six three to six uh, pairs of leaves, I put the plant right into the flower. And the reason for that is, well, first of all, the longer your plant is growing, the more chance it has of getting an infection. And if it gets an infection, the more chance that that infection has to mature and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce the longer the plant is in the ground. So think about it. You grow a plant and it grows and, you know, it becomes a bush. How much of that bush, before you put it into flowering, are you actually going to use as product? Well, it's zero. Because it's all those leaves. You're not going to use those, right? So you're spending all that time growing leaf. So why are you doing it? There's really no reason to do it. You could put the plant right into flowering and just put the plants close together so it would look like a wheat field or something. And each plant would have only one stem. And then if each plant has only one stem, you can put them really close together. Which, by the way, is very advantageous to seed companies if you're putting plants really close together. I mean, first of all, let, let's take it, let's say you're doing an acre, and let's say you put the plants on eight inch centers, so you have about 100,000 plants per acre. That's more seeds than you usually put in an acre, right? Yeah. And you're not gonna make 100,000 clones, are you? No. Okay. Okay, so. Good point. <laughs> so, so um, and the idea of that, especially in Hawaii, is if you get those plants and they each have one, just one bud. Well, do you have Trader Joe's over here? No? Do you have, you have box stores where, you know, you could buy a six-inch rose plant, a, a little house plant, you know, in a six-inch or an eight-inch pot, right? You've seen those, right? You know, that isn't, you're not buying one plant. You know that. Have you ever looked underneath the flowers? You'll see that each flower is connected to a single stem. And there might be five to eight stems in that container. So, now just imagine, not exactly that, but stretch a little more distance, let's say six to eight inches between plants and between centers, and then you just have one stem and you have a flower. So 
You don't have to deal with the vegetation, vegetative state. You don't have to stake it. You don't have to whatever you're going to do with it, take leaves off it. And you know they say, well, how close? To, so they say, well, how do you how do you get in there and take care of the plants? Well. I've studied marijuana, and you know, Jack Herrera and I invented marijuana in 1958. <laughs> you know that. But there were, there were these precursor plants before that. And those precursor plants did really well without human help. So, you, so if you're growing those plants really close together, which is how they actually grow naturally because they drop seed and they grow pretty close together. So uh, if you grow the plants pretty close together, you don't have to stake them. And they don't grow tall, so they're not going to get knocked down by the wind. So that's my solution to vegetation. It's a tough one to follow. <laughs> Uh, and maybe you should use half that nutrient, half strength, 
uh, instead of full strength. Or maybe you're using it every time you water, and you should potentially just use plain water in between feedings. Um, this is important because this is a plant that we consume, right? So any excess salts or minerals that are there in that material are going to make it a harsher burn, right? So when we talk about clean cannabis, it's not just because it doesn't have pesticides on it, it's also because it's fed properly. Um, and that's how you get a nice clean white ash, you know, rather than the piece of charcoal you have to keep relighting it tastes really harsh. Uh, and it also has, you know, uh, health effects too. If there's a lot of salt and minerals in, built into that flour, you know, and you're consuming that, it can't possibly be good. But even as a connoisseur, I just appreciate the clean burning smoke. Um, so, uh, again, in the flowering period, that entails, you know, feeding properly right up until you sort of, you know, taper off towards the end. So, um, do you guys have any sort of advice as far as? Uh, Watering and feeding plants. Uh, what sort of, you know, what sort of cycles do they need when it comes to that? Um, yeah, I'll touch on that subject. Um, first of all, I think a lot of people just try to push it too hard, and the plant can handle a lot of it by itself if, uh, if you're allowing it to eat what's in the soil, feeding it microbes, really establishing a relationship with the plant and the soil. Um, because one of the most important things because one of the problems I have with like the commercial side of it is people want more and more and more, which you know it's a business, you gotta make sure you're making ends meet, but it's like you got this wonderfully tasty soup. And this guy's like, How can I get more soup? And then he just piss in the soup. And then the soup tastes like piss and you got more soup, but uh, I would say back off the nutrients and stuff. Well, there, when you look at fertilizers, there are two parts to it. One is, uh, is the fertilizer there? And the second is, is it available to the plant? And so that, especially if people aren't using um, uh, 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 bio, uh, biofauna like mycorrhizae, fungi, different bacteria, and enhancing the soil with that, then the, what the, the plant has a harder time absorbing the nutrients. So people add more nutrients and that's where you get that salt. But if you use more, if you rely on uh, the microbes to deliver uh, the nutrients to, to the roots, they, there are endos and ectos. And the, uh, the endos actually they actually grow into the plant roots and the ectos work on the outside of the plant roots both protecting them and also having an exchange with the roots where the, the roots provide sugars to, to the microbes and the microbes pr provide the nutrients to the plants. So then you need a lot less fertilizer and you don't get that, salt, that salty taste. Um, for me, I grow up living soil system that is exactly the same in veg and in flower. Um, I only uh, irrigate with water. I don't feed anything else. So for for me in flowering, it's uh, more paying attention to how much water it's getting and at what stage. And I've also been learning that like if you can induce drought at certain times near the end, you can also increase turkey. 
you know, configs and things like that. So in my particular system, it's all about uh, the type and how much water you're giving it. So, um, and that all has to do with the fact that everything that I'm using as nutrient is already mixed into uh, my soil before I even put seed into it. So uh, for me, it's just uh, water in the right amount at the right time. And I know the complete polar opposite of everybody. I'm all water all the time. Hydro. Here we go. Two different ways. Bronco and or DWC. Or DWC constant feed. Always laying in just constantly feed. Once the light turns on, food. Constant water all the time. Twelve hours of light on, twelve hours of light off, no more food. So where is light on? Food. The ironic part is, is it allows the plant to actually make choose what it needs. As long as you maintain a, instead of a living soil, and you're basically living water at the end of the day. But you're not really introducing microbes and not doing all of that. You're just maintaining a relatively quiet wildlife that kind of maintains nitrogen, potassium, and maintains magnesium. You just kind of have to top it off every now and again a little bit, but it will just constantly go. That's a WC situation. When it comes to my rockwell situation, it's rockwell in size, and it's kind of like a set for get to go. It's a quick, you know, almost like Ed was saying, planted, flower type situation. Instead, we let it go for 10 days, and that 10 days period of time, we are just gorgeous, literally. I'm jamming as much nitrogen, as much magnesium down that throat is like possibly get to do without burning. And the only reason why we do that is because, well, time is of the essence. We want to have a harvest and we want to get there fast. We don't want to wait six weeks, we don't want to wait eight weeks, we don't want to wait 12 weeks. We want to wait three weeks. Me? Why? We want to wait 10 days, 12 days. Slip it, four days later, 50 days later, six days later, you're pretty much getting ready to pull your harvest out. It's about fast and speed. Where I'm from, I'm from Los Angeles, so it's all about go, 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 go. You know, and that's kind of how it is in our opinion. So for us, water application is a lot easier to work with based on the fact that, well, if I'm a city, I don't have the ability to soil or have living soil, and that's just, so that's why I go down to all water all the time. Right, so that's the kind of you know, other thing, we talked about the difference between seed and green and a longer veg time. You also have the difference between growing in, this, in soil or soilless medium and growing hydroponically with benefits to each uh, and drawbacks to each. You know, hydroponics obviously isn't nearly as forgiving as soil. If you have a problem that arises, it needs to be dealt with immediately. Um, hydroponics is all about maintaining the reservoir. You have a reservoir with uh, nutrients and mixed into the water and a pump that pumps those nutrients to your plants. It's all about maintaining that. The temperature of that water can't be too warm when the pump heats it up. can't be too cold either. Um, you can shock the roots. Uh, you need to make sure the parts per million uh, of the nutrient is in the proper range and the pH as well, the acidity or alkalinity of that nutrient solution is very important. Otherwise, you know, the nutrients can be there, but the plant can't take them in. Now, the soil uh, growing or soilless growing, really, uh, the key, you know, if you're going to go with bigger plants, you need to have bigger containers. 
you need to feel the roots and the room to stretch out. Uh, root bound plants are going to yield far less than plants that with these roots have room to move around. So, you know, if you're vegging for you know, six weeks or two months or something, you can't do that in a one gallon container. You'll just end up with a much smaller yield. I always recommend about a gallon per a gallon per week of veg time. So it's a five week veg time, nice five gallon bucket, they're very cheap at Home Depot. Just drill holes in the bottom, make sure the water's gonna get out. But that's an easy system that I tell people, you just get those buckets, put holes in them, fill them up with the soil snits, uh, pro mix or something like that, add the additives and nutrients that you want to add that are dry to that. You just use water for the first you know, three, four weeks of, of growth because the plant is using up what's in that soil. And once you see it, needs a little bit of nutrient, you start adding solution. But uh, the key there is, you know, the size of the container is going to determine also the size of your yield. Uh, and, you, you know, if you're in a small container, you've got to transplant. But if you're transplanting during flowering, you know, uh, the plant always goes through the shop when you move it from one, you know, a small container to a larger container. It takes, you know, four days, maybe sometimes a week, no matter how gentle you are for the plant to recover from shock of that. And now you've got to factor that into your flowering time because it just sort of stops and slows down and then it kind of goes into the new soil. But that takes a minute for that recovery time. And so I recommend if you're going to go, you know, into a bigger container, try to do that during the veg Uh, 
uh, about arson. So, um, if you look at a, at the glands, there, there are three stages. There's a uh, there's a clear stage, and um, I'm talking about the the uh, trichomes, the uh, capitated tri trichomes. Those are the larger trichomes that you see glistening, and they uh, they start out where uh, uh, the caps start filling out until it looks like they're about to burst. And then they start changing color. And I think, and I think um, some of this is subjective because as they change color, they're changing their chemistry. And I happen to like the chemistry of clear glands. And that chemistry is, I think that it's higher in THC. And I think that when uh, they turn cloudy and amber, that it's a degradation of the THC. And I think some of it's CBN and other uh, uh, other uh, cannabinoids. So, but that's also subjective. And some people say, oh, well, I get, I'm using it medically and I get the most relief when it's cloudy or amber. So there's no right or wrong about it. it it's what you like or what your customers like. And um, it's, uh, it's uh, that, at that point, it's not so much only science, but it's also uh, connoisseur taste and things like that. And uh, I would just want to speak to the, uh, the drying and curing here in Hawaii. Uh, I've seen so many beautiful gardens, amazing cannabis that just gets destroyed because people do not take the time, the effort, and the cost to pay for humidifiers and uh, for dehumidifiers, excuse me, and air conditioning. Want to keep it about 65 degrees and 60 percent humidity. That's really hard to do in Hawaii if you're not spending about five, six hundred bucks a month on the light bill. And that's just with air conditioners and the humidifiers. We're not even talking about lights and things like that. So that is, I think, the main issue with um, having things come out how they should have been in Hawaii is actually spending the money and doing that. And then don't jar it early. Yes. Don't can it early. Let it dry. Don't just exactly what all these gentlemen said to do. Do not. But don't jar it too early. I, I totally agree. And the, think about it. You, you put the stuff in a jar, and then you know uh, you get some uh, mist. You, you get some condensation in the jar. Well, that condensation is coming fr from the uh, from the bud that has water in it. Now, so now the the bud is drying, but now you have in that jar you have maybe seventy percent humidity, eighty percent humidity. Yeah, that's perfect for bacteria. That's what they love. There it is. Come get us. Maybe some fungi will get in there too. So. What you were saying is exactly correct. Let, let it dry. Don't dry it in the jar. And there's one other thing that we didn't mention, which is freeze drying. And um, uh, both Danny and I have become acquainted with freeze drying, and there are a number of companies making freeze drying machines. And what happens there is that first you freeze it, and then 
uh, you create a vacuum, the machine creates a vacuum and it dries it and so the whole process takes about 24 hours and you have this beautiful bud that's totally, that, that's dried to the percentage of uh, uh, moisture that you want in it and it has, uh, and it happens so fast, the next day you can actually bag it up for sale. And uh, that's going, especially here in Hawaii where it's so difficult to, to maintain, that, that may very well be the answer. And they, the machines come in all different sizes. Now, let's say you just want to test it out. Take a bug, put it in your freezer, you know, don't cover it or anything, let it be naked in the freezer, and you know, your freezers are all, all are vacuums. When you close the door, a vacuum is created, and that's why you don't have frost, you know, ice build up in the freezer. So it's not as strong a vacuum as, as a commercial freeze drying unit, but it will do the same thing. And four, three to five days later, you're going to have a freeze dry pot. Uh, I wouldn't do that for commercially. I would get a freeze drying machine, but you know, for testing, that would do that. Freeze drying, new technology that's coming out into you know, our world, I'm no, concerned with you know, the regular world. It's interesting. And even uh, concentrate makers as well, uh, they, you know, some of the people doing bras and pressing, you know, the rods and stuff, they like the free strike better than the cured flour uh, for that as well. And like I said, when you, when you, you know, if you harvest a little bit early, you get a little bit of that more uplifting vibe, and harvest a little late, Hit on is the cleanliness of your grow, your area, uh, 
shoes, you know, having a change of clothes if you're going in and out of doors. If you're growing outdoors, it's one thing, but still you want to make sure the area around it's clean, make sure there's no dead leaves on the plants. Um, another thing that uh, we have the luxury of is uh, analytics and uh, actually putting together certain uh, turkeys that keep bugs away too. So the selection of your strains, depending on where you live, it has a big part to do with it. And one of the uh, one of the clusters of turkeys that I've working a lot on and have, have it dominated in a lot of strains is the Austin Isomer too. And this compound basically attracts beneficial bugs and it keeps the other bugs away because they don't want to go where they're going to get eaten. So that's something that I just want to throw out there. I had great success with this particular turkey cluster and bugs hate it. Uh, so nice for two, if you have a chance to, you know, grow on a strain that's dominant in that, I would recommend it, especially if you're in an area with a lot of bugs. Um, but I would never recommend spraying your plant with anything. Um, it's going to be, you know, not suggested or recommended. Any poison, there's so much stuff that gets used on cannabis that should not be. Um, and aside from that, uh, that's pretty much probably the pass down to Ed. So, um, you know, you were talking about indoor mainly, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, most people here grow outdoors, right? So, and so, let, so you can't use pesticides and you can't introduce insects, right? Or uh, biologicals. So, here's, there, there is a partial solution, and that is to grow, to use either trapped plants or repellent plants or a combination of tra trap and repellent plants. For instance, most of the sages, like oregano and uh, thyme, rosemary, if you ever notice those plants, they never have any insects on them. They just don't get, they just don't get bothered. So if you use those plants in between your other plants, it, it will tend to keep them away. And then there's another technique, which is trap plants. That is transplants that attract insects. So if, if a pest comes, it's more likely to go to a trap plant, which you can treat, you know, and kill those, kill those insects or pull the trap plant up, plant more trap plants. And so that might, that's a partial solution to your problem of not being able to use uh, pest repellents. Another thing would be to use pest repellents not on the plants, but on the gra ground, not near the exactly near the plants, but in the perimeter and around the plants. You, you could use um, herbal pesticides, and the herbal pesticides really are composed of, of different terpenes and different plant oils, and they evaporate as well. As you know, there are a little while the bugs never go to constantly under attack. I think that uh, with silver bullet, uh, for me in my garden, when I'm with dealing with uh, power yielding or spider mites, uh, for us, all this other stuff is uh, one of the acidic acid products uh, called Nucleum. And uh, it's basically acidic acid and it's uh, completely non toxic. Uh, no doctor's eyes, uh, they advertise people spraying it naked as a kind of thing. So this isn't anything hurt your plants, it's not going to hurt you, but it is highly effective and uh, has really changed 
you're having problems in Hawaii, they might suggest using something like that. Practically, that has been a complete game changer for me. Sorry for the delay. Introduce yourself, Brian. I'm Brian Galen. Uh, I own Bible Garden Spy. I'm also part of a group in Sweden, South Korea called the Civil Reserve. We have 300,000 square feet of cultivation that's operated all organically. Um, back to the past question. Um, I'm a big believer in um, IPM being integrated um, greatly and having multiple different um, multiple different tools in the arsenal. So I like to rotate products. This way the bug doesn't really know what's coming out of it. And then I also try to do most of my IPM spraying or any sort of like that's going to affect the plant directly as much as possible during bed. I also try to make sure the plant is as healthy as possible going into flower. And then after the second week of flower, we completely stop any sort of spraying because, you know, there's always byproducts and we sell a lot of flour, but we also have some trend, and we have to like do something with our smalls. So when we are extracting, extraction people do not want oil, um, oil products on the foliage. It definitely affects the end product. So we learned how to like get the plants real healthy, get them strong, spray, get that final spray, in, and then we let the um, the um, predator mice. Awesome, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to see if there was there any questions from the audience here for our esteemed panel. Aloha, Joe. It's an honor to be here with you. Um, my big question is um, building soil, amending soil, and one of the most um, time-consuming things that we do right now is putting out teas. Do we really need these teas? We build the soil and all the soil members just take care of that because we're putting that you know, tea down for bed, make sure we're not missing stuff. And we put a tea down for flour, make sure we're not missing stuff. Are those teas necessary? Maybe Brian, do you have know this one? About uh, teas? I'm a big fan of teas. Um, obviously, the best way to know what really need the teas is if you actually test your soil and find out really what's missing, if there's anything missing. So I'm a big believer in, you know, following the science up with application.
All right, we're back, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, illustrious cultivation panel that was done in Hawaii at the Can Hawaii Cannabis Expo uh, just this past February. I want to thank everyone that, that appeared on that panel with me, Professor P uh, from Dynasty Genetics, Ed Rosenthal, uh, Joey Green, Swerve, and uh, Brian from Vital Garden Supply. I hope you guys learned something. I hope you enjoyed uh, the humor and the banter and the cultivation info. Um, remember vapor.com. That's always uh, great. They have an affiliate program with us where if you use the code GBY uh, upon checkout, you can buy anything. The Puffco Peaks. I know those are popular, but any kind of vaporization uh, equipment, uh, all the famous you know brands and all the parts and everything, uh, including other stuff too, CBD stuff, uh, raw rolling papers, everything you need. Uh, for cannabis consumption, use that code GBY for 15% off uh, everything on that site. So uh, again, the Patreon page has been blowing up. Uh, we're, we're putting exclusive content on there and we're putting all kinds of interesting stuff up there, interacting with our audience and our listeners. Get on our iTunes, uh, rate us, review us. I will follow, I'll personally follow anyone on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, if you put a review up on iTunes and you add your um, at, you know, whatever your, your thing handle. is, yeah. your handle, mm -hmm. um, I will follow you, uh, on either Instagram or Twitter or both if you want. So, um, if that matters <laughs> to you, then that's, uh, that's a little extra added incentive. Cause that helps us out with the iTunes charts. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll be back with, uh, some live guests next week, but of course. we did want to get a show out to people. Um, and, uh, we wanted to get this panel out to the people but remember we will be back um with a, a regular show next week and you of course uh, can get in touch with us as dan mentioned through the patreon page but also if you'd like you can email us uh that is info at growbudyourself.com and of course you can get us on social media he's at danny danko i'm uh, at mike check g and the show is at growbudyourself so um send us a question or just a comment and uh you know we'll address it next show yeah. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for listening. Um, stay safe. Uh, stay stoned. <laughs> and uh, have a great weekend, you guys. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new show. Uh, stay safe, like I said. Keep it real out there. Um, Shall we put it in the books? Yeah, let's wrap this one up and put it in the books.